Welcome to episode number three of the Countries for Kids podcast with Karen from caseofadventure.com. Today we're going to be talking about Italy, the land of pizza and ice cream. Try to have a map of Italy in front of you while you listen so you can spot the cities and things we talk about on the map. Remember to download your Italy printable pack with some fun activities for you to do. To find the printable pack, go to caseofadventure.com forward slash Italy. When you think of Italy, what do you think of? Pizza? Eating gelato ice cream at a small street cafe. Gondolas on the water in Venice with the gondoliers singing soulful songs. The Leaning Tower of Pisa. Rome and the Colosseum. There are so many things that remind us of Italy, aren't there? The name Italy comes from the word Italia, meaning calf land. Some say it was because the bull was a symbol of the southern Italian tribes. Go ahead and look for Italy on a map. If you look on your world map, you'll find Italy in Europe, just above Africa, and you'll see that the country of Italy is shaped like a boot. There are two islands. Near the toe of the boot is Sicily. Sicily is home to five million people and is the biggest island in the Mediterranean. Sardinia is further north and is a smaller island with stunning beaches and mountains. If you look at your map again, you'll see that France borders on Italy, and Switzerland does, Austria, and Slovenia. Can you see them next to Italy? Let's talk about some of the well-known cities in Italy. Milan is known for its fashion designers, and the second largest cathedral in the whole world, Duomo di Milano. I'm not sure if I said that right. Also, the opera house La Scala is there. Genoa on the west coast is where Christopher Columbus was born, and shipbuilding continues there to this day. Venice is a city built on a whole lot of islands. There are canals instead of roads, and boats instead of cars. You can see the sights in Venice by floating through its canals on a gondola. Gondoliers Men in striped shirts sing romantic songs as they propel you along with a rowing oar. In the central part of Italy, olives and grapes are grown to make olive oil and wine, which are some of Italy's major exports. In Florence, beautiful architecture and works of art are everywhere. The capital of Italy is Rome. Rome has influenced the whole world. They built roads to and conquered many lands, all the way from England to Africa, and their ideas about engineering and culture spread to those lands. Vatican City, or the Vatican, is the smallest country in the world. It's inside Rome, and it's where the Pope, the leader of the Roman Catholic Church, resides. The country is about an eighth of the size of Central Park in New York. It operates as its own independent country, generating revenue from tourists who visit. They even print their own money and stamps and passports. 
You can read more interesting things about Vatican City on a website that I linked to in the show notes. See if you can find out why, for almost 60 years, the popes did not want to leave Vatican City. Have you heard of the Leaning Tower of Pisa? It's very famous because it's leaning right over instead of being straight up like a monument should be. The Leaning Tower of Pisa is a third of the height of the Washington Monument. It leans because the soil underneath is very waterlogged, which makes it soft. These days it has been stabilized by the removal of lots of soil from underneath the high side of the base and by the adding of 800 tons of lead weights secured with cables. Italy is the fifth most populated country in Europe, with about 60 million people who call it home. Italy has a president and a prime minister. The president of Italy is Sergio Mattarella. Italians like to show on the outside what they are feeling on the inside. They talk with their hands a lot. They use loud, expressive voices and lots of emotion and animated movement to add to their speech. They even have specific hand gestures which mean certain things, like their own sign language. Italians like to take their time doing things. They always have time to stop and talk and see how you're doing. They're not often in a rush. The passagiata is a pre-dinner evening stroll that most Italians partake of. Neighborhoods are very friendly as families live in one place for many generations. Italians dress smartly for this evening walk, wanting to look their best at all times. They walk along or sit at favorite cafes, sampling gelato ice cream or speciality coffees like espresso, latte or cappuccino. They eat and sip and talk. Then supper is eaten much later, around 9 or 10 p.m. The official language in Italy is, of course, Italian. There are so many words that you and I say that are actually Italian, especially when it comes to food. Have a look at the fun video that I've linked in the show notes on how to pronounce common Italian words. For example, pistachio is pistacchio, mascarpone, mascarpone, and bruschetta, not bruschetta. Let's try counting in Italian. Uno, due, tre. Zero. Uno. Due. Tre. Quattro. Cinque. Sei. Sette. Otto. Nove. Dieci. Hello in Italian is ciao. Goodbye is... Arrivederci. Arrivederci. Ciao can also mean goodbye. Good day is buongiorno. 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 Please is... Per favore. Per favore. Thank you is... The Italian national anthem is Il Canto degli Italiani, the song of the Italians. 
There's a link in the show notes where you can watch a video and hear their national anthem. Italy is part of the European Union and they use the euro as their currency. Right now, in October 2017, with one euro, you could buy 1.19 US dollars, 90p British cents, that's just less than a pound, and 15 South African rand. The Italian flag has three vertical stripes, green, white and red. The green represents the country's plains and hills, white represents the snow-capped Alps, and red the blood spilt in the wars of Italian independence. Others say that the colours of the flag represent faith, hope and charity. Italy wasn't always an independent country. The Kingdom of Sardinia defeated the foreign countries that controlled parts of Italy and unified Italy as one country. In 1848, the Milanese soldiers defeated the Austrians who controlled much of northern Italy. About 150 years ago, in 1870, Rome was captured and finally the Kingdom of Italy was formed. So what's the weather like in Italy? I'm sure we all think of the Mediterranean lovely sun and beaches. In northern Italy, the summers are very hot and humid and the winters cold. But in the south, the winters are mild and the summers hot and dry. A typical Italian house is two-level, made of bricks or stone. The roof is often tiled and the house usually includes an enclosed yard. Some families live in apartment buildings that have grocery stores or bookshops that face the streets with the apartments on the inside of the buildings facing a pretty garden courtyard where neighbours can sit and visit. There are three active volcanoes in Italy. That means they're not extinct. That means that they could still erupt, even though they haven't for many years. Mount Vesuvius is one of them. Then there's Mount Etna and Stromboli. Mount Vesuvius and Mount Etna are very dangerous as they are near big cities. Mount Vesuvius is one of the most dangerous volcanoes in the whole world and it's very near Naples. If you look at your map of Italy, you'll see that Naples is on the west coast, halfway between the toe of the boot and the city of Rome. Do you see it? Pompeii is the ancient Roman city that was buried by a volcano erupting. After that famous Pompeii volcano erupted all those years ago, it has actually erupted again a few times. The last time was in 1944, when 26 people were killed, Nearby villages were destroyed and United States airplanes based at the Pompeii airfield nearby were coated with a thick layer of ash. Imagine living at the foot of Mount Vesuvius after that. Have you ever heard of truffles? They are like the diamond of the kitchen. Truffles are very rare and expensive and they taste and smell amazing. You could say that truffles are the fruit of a fungus. The fungus grows around the tree roots and the fruity body of the truffle is formed. They are highly sought after by chefs. Hunting for truffles is a rewarding pastime in Italy. Most of the world's truffles come from northern Italy. 
Dogs are used to go truffle hunting. They sniff around until they find one, and then it is dug up and sold for huge amounts of money. In 2007, a dog named Rocco discovered a truffle in Tuscany that weighed 3.3 pounds. It was sold for $333,000, a world record for a truffle. About 3,000 euros are thrown into the Trevi Fountain in Rome every day by tourists. Tourists throw coins into that fountain. That's around 1.5 million euros each year. Legend has it that if you throw one coin into the fountain, you will someday return to Rome. And if you throw two, then you will find romance there. The fountain fills up so fast with coins that the workers need to sweep it every day to collect the coins. The collected coins are cleaned, weighed, counted and then delivered to a Catholic charity. This organization has used the money for many things including building a grocery store for the poor and supporting a shelter for AIDS patients. Have a look at the link in the show notes to read more about it. Here are a few unusual laws from places in Italy. In the city of Turin, dog owners must walk their dog at least three times a day or risk being fined. On the beaches of Eraclea, on the Venetian Lido, it's illegal to make sand castles or any other kind of sand structure. Isn't that sad? By law, gondoliers in Venice must paint their gondolas black. That's a pity. I think they'd look nice with a flower design or hearts all over them. It's rumoured that citizens of Milan are required to smile in public places at all times, except during funerals and hospital visits. I wonder if that's true. A well-publicised law was passed back in 2012 in the town of Falciano del Masico in Campania. Because the town cemetery is full, the mayor Giulio Fava passed a law making it illegal for the town's residents to die. The mayor told the press that his town's residents were happy with the new law, but unfortunately two elderly citizens had disobeyed it. I'm sure this law is more tongue-in-cheek than strictly administered. In 2011, an Italian cat inherited over 10 million euro after his 94-year-old owner passed away, making it the third richest animal in the world. Can you believe there are richer animals than that? The owner, Maria Assunta, left her entire estate to the cat under the care of a trusted nurse. You may not be surprised that Italian law does not allow animals to inherit directly. The city of Venice. Remember the city with the gondoliers that is built on water? Venice is made up of 119 islands, and Venice is sinking. That means that the level of the land has lowered and the sea levels have risen. Flooding regularly occurs there between November and March, and in order to stop this flooding, they created a system of 79 flood barriers fixed to the lagoon bed. If there's a flood warning, they're pumped full of air and raised, and that creates a dam and saves Venice from being flooded. Football is the most popular sport in Italy. Italy has won the Football World Cup four times. That makes them the second most successful football team in World Cup history. 
Most people in Italy don't drive. Italy is built in the old Roman style, so every city is walkable. The roads are narrow. Italian bus drivers drive through intense traffic and narrow roads at high speeds. I guess you could say they're very good drivers. Italians travel by trains a lot, especially for long distance. In the cities, people use the bus or travel by bicycle or scooter. Have you heard of the Vesper? Perhaps the narrow roads are why there are all those small sports cars from Italy, like Ferraris and Lamborghinis that are made there. Have you heard of an Italian car called a Ferrari? Well, Ferrari is one of the most popular Italian surnames. It's as common as Smith is in England. In fact, Ferrari comes from Smith, meaning iron like a blacksmith. There's a special Polizia Lamborghini, which was modified for its police duty. Maybe so that the policemen can drive as fast as the crooks they are chasing. In Italy, there's a statue of Jesus Christ that is submerged under water. An Italian diver named Dario lost his life scuba diving in 1947. And that's why the statue was sculpted. It's 10 meters down under the surface of the water. And lots of scuba divers dive down to pay their respects. Have you heard of Galileo? He's a very famous Italian scientist, mathematician and astronomer. He was born in Pisa in Italy in 1564. Strangely enough, three of his fingers and a tooth are on display at a museum in Florence. Ew. There's a link in the show notes where you can read more about that. Things that were invented in Italy. The radio, the piano, the thermometer were all invented in Italy. Also, pizza pretzels, the violin, the pistol, typewriters, parachutes, the espresso machine, the desktop computer, eyeglasses, and opera. The rural parts of Italy are a paradise for nature lovers. Lots of animals live there. From wild boar mud baths to hovering birds of prey, groups of roe deer, a porcupine crossing the road, hermit crabs scurrying under the sand, jellyfish and dolphins, and the occasional shark. There is lots to see. The Italian wolf is the national animal of Italy. Italy is the only place in the world where the Marsican brown bear is found. And there are only 19 species of snakes in Italy. That's my kind of town. Each September, in even-numbered years, in a town named Marostica, a chess game is remembered, which was played between two noblemen in 1454. They competed to win the hand of a lady. Now the town remembers the match by setting up a life-size chess board in the main piazza. People dress as chess pieces and stand on the board. The knights ride horses and the castles are on wheels for the chess match. The Battle of Oranges is a festival in the northern Italian city of Evria, which includes a tradition of throwing oranges. It's the largest food fight in Italy. Unlike La Tomatina, the tomato festival in Spain, this ammunition at the orange battle doesn't get squished before it's hurled in the streets. 
It may, however, become smushed after colliding with the helmets that keep faces from getting injured. In Venice, they celebrate Carnival di Venezia, a two-week party in early spring. It's marked by parades, live performances of music, and most famously, masquerade balls. People wear masks all throughout this carnival. Traditional dress. Italian women typically don colorful skirts with embroidered images of flowers and fruit, light shirts and decorated hats. Men's clothing is simpler. Pants often have elaborate embroidery or metal buttons. The clothes are all vibrant colors and are made out of fine material such as silk and velvet. However, these outfits would have been extravagant for Italian peasants. The working class had much more sensible clothes. Women wore plain skirts and bodices with square hats. The flat top of the hat helped the women carry their baskets to market. This style eventually evolved into hats with artificial flowers or fruits worn by the upper-class ladies mimicking a peasant carrying a basket on her head. Typically, all peasants' clothing came in grey, brown or black. After all, dye was expensive back then. But for special occasions, peasants had a few colourful and embroidered outfits that resembled those of the wealthy. Poor women would pass down dresses from generation to generation. This helped to save money as well as to preserve their family history. Some say that the Italians cook with the colours of the Italian flag. They love to use basil, which is green, mozzarella, which is white, and tomatoes, red. Pizza was invented in Naples in Italy. Have a look in the show notes at the link and you can read more about that. I'm quoting from the website. A pizza without toppings like a flatbread dates back to the ancient Greeks and Romans. They both ate baked flatbreads that were topped with olive oil and local spices. The pizza we're all familiar with, the kind with tomato sauce, cheese and toppings, originated in Italy. Sometime around 1889, Italy's royal couple, Queen Margherita and King Umberto I, toured their kingdom. The Queen took note of the large flatbread being consumed by the workers. She tried it and loved it. She called Chef Rafael Esposito to her palace, where he created a variety of pizzas for her. In honor of her name, he designed a pizza with toppings in the colors of the Italian flag. Red tomatoes, white mozzarella, and green basil. This pizza became her favorite, and is known to this day as the Margarita. Her love for pizza made her incredibly popular among her subjects. Most royals would never have dined on peasant food, much less encouraged its spread. Pizza sauce is usually tomato-based. However, the list of unconventional pizza sauces includes pesto, alfredo, ketchup, and barbecue. White pizza recipes often eliminate the sauce altogether, replacing it with garlic butter. Pizza made its way to Spain, France, England and the United States via Italian immigrants. It didn't gain popularity until after World War II when returning soldiers sought out the food they had grown to love while fighting overseas. The first United States pizzeria, 
G. Lombardi's was opened in 1905 and is still open today using its original oven, though it's changed its location. If you ask for a pizza in Italy, you'll get the whole thing. You won't be sharing slices with anyone. Risotto and polenta are more common in the north of Italy and pasta in the center of Italy. Arabs brought dried pasta to Italy in the 1200s and there are now more than 140 types of pasta. Pasta wasn't eaten with tomato sauce until the 1600s in Italy. Up until then it was eaten with honey and sugar. The old-fashioned way of eating pasta was to put your arm up high, tilt your head back and then use your fingers to eat the pasta. What do you think your mom would say about that? Italians serve cannelloni, risotto and minestrone. Spaghetti bolognese, one of the most popular Italian dishes in America, does not exist in Italy. The real thing is tagliatelle al ragù, which has at least two types of meat, usually pork and beef. It's often cooked for 18 hours. The longer you cook it, the better it tastes. There's also no Alfredo sauce in Italy and no meatballs in spaghetti. Gnocchi is a type of pasta made from potatoes. Many cheeses originate in Italy. The most well-known are mozzarella and parmesan. Ciabatta was invented in 1982 by Francesco Favaron because French baguettes were becoming too popular for his liking. Because the climate is perfect for growing grapes, Italy is also famous for its wine. Italy and France are the leading wine-producing nations in the world. Like Italian food, Italian wines vary by region and they are known for going perfectly with Italian meals. Music, instruments and the arts. The violin was invented in Cremona, Italy by Andrea Amati. Opera originated in Italy in the late 16th century. Opera is that skilled dramatic singing. Giuseppe Verdi was one of the most famous Italian opera composers. Monteverdi is considered by many to be the father of modern opera. Rossini and Verdi each composed operas that are still loved today. Rossini's The Barber of Seville and Verdi's Aida have been performed again and again. Puccini produced La Boheme and Madame Butterfly, while Scarlatti wrote almost 100 operas. Musical notation, or the way that we write music notes, comes from Italy. Have you heard of Leonardo da Vinci? He produced the Mona Lisa painting, probably the most famous painting in the world. Da Vinci was an incredible man, creating sculptures as well as paintings and inventing all sorts of gadgets and fanciful items. He even created sketches for flying machines hundreds of years before man created the aeroplane. When Leonardo da Vinci was a boy, his father was in a village and met a peasant who had carved a round piece of wood that he wanted to get painted. He gave it to his son Leonardo who liked to paint. Leonardo painted a cave and a fierce dragon on it that was so dramatic that it actually gave his father a shock when he saw it. His father was so impressed with it. It was so good that he sold it to an art dealer who sold it to a duke for a large sum of money. 
and Leonardo's father bought a cheap shield of the same shape with a simple design on it to pass on to the peasant. Other artists from Italy include Michelangelo, Donatello, whose sculptures seem as though they could spring to life. In Florence, you'll find expert silk weavers who work on a loom designed by Leonardo da Vinci. Italy is a Catholic country, but sadly many people have lost faith not only in the Catholic Church but in God altogether. The Catholic Church has a powerful, strong identity because the Pope resides in Rome in the Vatican City. Now, it started out with genuine Christians and Paul's letter to the Romans. His missionary journey ended in Rome. There was a church established there that was a genuine gospel church. But then later in history, Constantine made Christianity the official religion. And that's when it started to get mixed up with Roman practices. It became the Roman Catholic State Church. As a result, believers who disagreed with the Catholic Church's doctrines were forced literally underground to meet in the catacombs. Largely untouched by the Protestant Reformation, Italy has never seen widespread biblical revival. And Italians are cynical about the Church. Even though 82% of Italians profess to be Christians, only 3% practice their faith. The challenges for missionaries in Italy are great. They need missionaries who are happy to go, who won't give up, who are mature in their faith and who are willing to share the gospel with the people who may not be that interested at first, but who need the Lord. I'm going to end off with a story from one of my favorite children's books. It's a series, and this one is Drina Dances in Italy by Jean Estoril. This part of the story is where Drina is traveling from the mountains of Switzerland by train over into the country of Italy. The Rhone Valley was so far below that it was almost like being in an airplane. Down and down and down they went at a great speed, never more than a few feet from the precipice. Drina stood near an open window with her hair blowing, singing under her breath. Later came the Simplon Tunnel, so black, hot and noisy. And then, incredibly, they were in Italy, and everything was miraculously changed. Peeling pink and yellow washed houses instead of trim wooden chalets. Vines growing on stony terraced hillsides. Dark, shabby children waving to the train. Italy, thought Drina, and felt her spine creep with a sharp, nameless excitement. They were having lunch when the train approached the northern reaches of Lake Maggiore, and though the food was so strange and delightful, Drina could scarcely bring herself to eat. It was so beautiful, like nothing she had ever seen before. Blue water, a blaze of blossoming trees, pink and yellow and white villas with exotic gardens that went down to the lake, bright boats. Oh, those islands, she cried, for they were like something out of a dream, floating on the still water, the largest one crowned with a palace or a castle. The Boromian Islands, said Signora Carletti, much pleased with her delight. That is Isola Bella. It is beautiful, said Drina, and felt as though she had lost something lovely and strange when the lake was left behind and they were flying across the plain towards Milan. Drina was never to forget that first sight of the great Piazza del Duomo. 
For several moments she simply stood and gaped, with some of the hundreds of pigeons gathered about her feet, the crowds of people enjoying the warm sunshine, the sound of Italian on every hand, the impressive facade of the cathedral, the pinnacles and statues soaring up into the sky, all took her breath away. Apart from London, she had seen few cities, and the noise, the slightly alien atmosphere, the huge buildings all around, were quite a shock. But it was a pleasant, even an exciting shock. She stood for some time, examining the great bronze door of the cathedral, and then entered the vast building, where the sunlight streamed through stained-glass windows, and candles flickered before many an ornate altar. In the Piazza alla Scala, Drina gazed with awe at the frontage of the famous opera house. This is part of a letter that she wrote to her friend about Italy. I hope you got the card from the Galleria Vittorio Emanuel. It leads through from the Piazza del Duomo to the Piazza alla Scala and has lots of restaurants and shops. One shop sells the loveliest carved animals and I bought a little deer. I do love Milan, though it isn't really at all picturesque. It is huge and busy and important feeling. I could sit in the Piazza del Duomo for hours, just absorbing the foreign atmosphere and watching the people. I love to walk in the public gardens and watch the children playing. Most of them are very good looking, and though some look terribly poor, they seem happy. Yesterday we went to Santa Maria del Grazi to see da Vinci's painting of the Last Supper. It is actually in the refectory next to the church. It was quite strange to see it in reality after being familiar with it for so many years. Thank you for listening to this podcast about Italy. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. It's so fascinating to learn all these things. Don't forget about the pack that you can download and print with all kinds of fun activities. That would be at caseofadventure.com forward slash Italy. Have a fabulous week and we'll see you next time.